The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery Offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery Here's your host, Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Radio I am Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. And so today's show is an interactive discussion. So if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So today's show is all about getting from fear to faith, because fear keeps us stuck. And fear of the future, fear of change, fear of pain, tends to feed these repeating cycles of avoidance or unhelpful reactions, and we get stuck. So in recovery, we learn that fear is future-based and of the imagination. Well, so what? A popular 12-step program slogan is, let go and let God, but exactly how do we get from fear to faith. Dan, it seems that fear is an all-encompassing emotion, almost a state of being at different times in our lives. And I mean, it even, it even, you even feel it in your body. Absolutely. Uh, and I was thinking about that earlier that, um, you know, our, our emotions are kind of thoughts as they show up in our body. And that's why I, I think it's helpful uh, if I'm feeling an emotion and it's grabbing my attention to feel where in my body can I feel this? And certainly uh, we're all familiar with that feeling of fear. I think for those of us in recovery, it can be particularly problematic. I know that it was, uh, has been for me and still can be from time to time. Um, I, I always do like to acknowledge that it's not as if all fear is bad. I've heard people say from time to time that, you know, we want to uh, get to a place where we have no fear. Well, I don't want no fear. I just want no unhelpful fear. You know, I live in the South now where it's quite warm all the time, but I spent many years in Michigan driving on uh, snowy, icy roads in the winter. And, you know, if my car starts sliding sideways on the ice, I think a healthy amount of fear is going to help me focus and give me a jolt of energy so I can respond quickly and to be safe. The problem, of course, is if I carry that fear forward from that moment, if I cannot let it go. And and I've definitely had those experiences in life, fear of um, 
you know, being lost, feeling lost in the world. Uh, you know, I've had generalized anxiety in the past. Um, for me, particularly, if I don't understand how something works, I'm uncomfortable. So I can be in a place of fear. Uh, I've noticed that uh, the ninth step promises come to mind because a few of them are related to fear, and I love them, and I have seen the truth in them over time. I'm thinking of uh, the promise we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness for that for me that means a new levels of freedom from fear which unhelpful fear which brings with it of course uh, happiness for me another one we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace uh, I can't feel serene or peaceful if I am sitting in fear and so I take that to be a promise that my fear will be lessened and then uh, a more clear one, fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. I have found that to be true as well. And knowing how to handle situations that used to be baffling for me personally, if I'm baffled by a situation, that's going to bring with it a certain amount of fear. So, yeah, well familiar with fear, um, you know, both b before and, and in recovery. And it's something that um, I work with over time. You know, I think um, I, I, too, have shared a similar type of um, experience with fear. Growing up in a situation where I was fearful much, much of the time, uh, low-level anxiety, and, and which, of course, feeds depression and a number of other things, I didn't realize what life could be like without fear driving that. And those promises that you read, one of the things that was pointed out to me earlier is that one of the first freedoms is freedom from instead of freedom to. When mm. I first read that, I thought, oh, I'll have the freedom to do anything I want. I'll have the freedom to this or this or that. But it really, the bigger one was, for me was the freedom from this all-encompassing um, uh, state of being that, that was fear, that uh, kept me on high alert all the time and kept, uh, kept me hypervigilant for uh, danger. You know, it's a survival skill. Yes. It is one that is well honed by people that grow up in crises and, um, you know, or have traumatic events or things like that happen to them. So it's not an unnatural reaction. It is a survival skill that has gotten, um, it has, it, it has well uh, exceeded its, its function at that point. We have survived and now we're, we still have these well-worn pathways, neural pathways that say, oh, danger, danger, fear. And so these are the kind of things that, um, you know, I, I have had to learn other tools and uh, techniques for releasing that fear. And then ultimately, how not to fall into that fear trap to start with. You know, and I, I can remember when I was 17 years old, I left home and I decided that I was never again going to um, deal with anything that had happened prior to that point in time. I was going to slam the door and nail it shut. Mm. But what I did not realize is that fear brought it up. It brought it up in my nightmares, you know, in my dreams. It brought it up in the people that I met that reminded me of people that had been involved with some of the situations in the past. And so, um, you know, it just fed paranoia and um, and anxiety. And so, you know, there are a lot of character defects, if you will, that that come out of living in a constant state of fear. Absolutely. And uh, as you spoke, I was reminded of that truth that wherever I go, there I am. And that I cannot really leave behind the the parts of my inner reality at that moment uh, because they, you know, they always come back around. Now, in a good way, that's that means that the opportunity 
to work with them, to overcome them, to really get them right-sized is how I think of it. As you're describing, you know, fear is a necessity, but excess fear or inappropriate or fear that's not helpful or fear that, um, you know, was helpful in the past, but we can't shake in the present, that's not um, really going to help us. I'm remembering the uh, quote from the big book that really jumped out to me when I first read it, uh, driven by 100 forms of fear, we step on the toes of others and they retaliate. And that phrase, 100 forms of fear, I am really grateful to the writers for using that because it so uh, clearly spoke to me and helped me understand that um, these people have been where I have been. And I can trust them and uh, follow them and follow this solution that they're presenting in a 12-step recovery. So when it comes to fear, I, I feel that we're all in good company in the world, not only those of us who find ourselves in uh, recovery programs, but just people in general. I mean, one can, one can have all these unhelpful manifestations of fear in one's life and still not have any particular addiction that would, um, you know, point at a 12-step recovery program. I'm kind of grateful in a way, sounds ironic, but I'm grateful to be part of a 12-step program because it gives me such helpful and powerful tools and a community of people to talk about things like this with rather than uh, feeling like I have to kind of deal with it all on my own, which I definitely felt like before I got into recovery. And so one of the helpful tools that I was told that was baffling to me was let go and let God. I'm mm -hmm. going, oh, okay, <laughs> how do I do that exactly? Sounds Which we'll get nice. To. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and how do I let go? Because uh, it's I, I saw a poster once that was really the epitome of how I felt about this. It had a cat hanging from a branch with all the claws extended. And it said, everything I ever let go of had claw marks all over it. <laughs> I and like that's, that. Yeah, it's been kind of my experience with letting go. And so, you know, um, you know, of course in addiction, the inability to let go is the inability to let go of the thoughts around it, to let go of the behaviors with it, to let go of the, the, uh, actual behavior of whatever it is that we're addicted to. Um, you know, but this shows up in so many ways, this, this, um, power of strength, the power to hang on to stuff shows up and, and in unhelpful ways when we hang on to, to feelings like fear that, that are not so helpful. Um, you know, I think about in addiction, there's many different ways it shows up, but, you know, hoarding stuff, you know, um, that's, that's an inability to let go. Um, so I think that this shows up in many places. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, of, of a fear I'm well familiar with most generally we'd call it fear of lack, right? I, I can uh, get into a place of fear if I feel like whatever resources that I have available, you know, it could be uh, emotional. These can be internal things. I'm not just talking about gas in the, in the gas tank, although that would, that would qualify as well, but also just emotional energy, you know, ability to uh, deal with a situation as an introvert. I can get run down in busy environments that are highly interactive. And so I have a, a fear of my internal gas tank running out when it comes to being on, so to speak, you know, being heavily interactive with people. And I realized that 
I can create layers of fear upon fear, right? So if I'm if I have a concern about um, feeling depleted, uh, and I'm in a situation, I can become begin to become afraid of getting depleted, even when I'm not, and even when I might not be, uh, and that can sort of bring it on. We we have the ability to um, by focusing on things to add energy to them and feed the problem, ironically. And we create our own problems, more problems when we do that. You know, I, I sometimes say that we have this superpower called um, the ability to focus. The problem is with obsession, our choice of what we focus on is not necessarily helpful for us. And so, you know, we, we focus on the fear, we focus on, on the future, we focus on on what we are afraid of. And of course, other metaphysical principles say that that's gonna bring some of that stuff into your life eventually. And so, you know, I, I still have this same question, you know, how do I let go? Because it seems like when I look at my life in general, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a room that's got a lot more books than I need. You know, I go and look in my closet and it's like, can I get the door shut? Um, you know, we have a garden shed that I have to clean out periodically because I can't even get inside the door. I So I, I come to the conclusion that I have this challenge with letting go in general. Yeah, we're, we're sort of surrounded by abundance in, <clears throat> in many ways, uh, yet I can still feel a fear of lack, say, you know, a fear of uh, depleting resources even in the face of what you know from the outside looks like clear evidence to the contrary that's absolutely for sure so we've talked about this i think other times that you know um our culture also reinforces the need to hold on yes you know it, it we talk about hanging on hang on just just don't quit just keep trying just try harder you know and there's there's um aphorisms in the in the cultural language like where there's a will there's a way and you can do that even if it you know kills you <laughs> right and, and there, there are all kinds of these things that reinforce the idea that i can't stop doing what i'm doing yeah and and we even have the uh for me very helpful um recovery saying that says don't quit before the miracle and and like we've talked about previously that ability to hang on is neither good nor bad um, just like uh, for me, I believe that fear is neither good nor bad. It just depends on if it's appropriate or not and whether I have choice. You know, does it have control over me or do I have the power of choice? And that, of course, is one core definition of addiction is that loss of the power of choice. You know, I lost the power to choose uh, whether I would drink or not or how much I would drink. And um, I do need to be able to allow fear in my life that's helpful to use strength and to use focus. Like you said, I had in the past been diagnosed with ADD, which can be seen as a deficiency. Um, I choose to see it as a superpower because what it means is that my ability to focus is very highly developed and if I have the choice about when to use it, then it becomes a very powerful tool for me. If I don't have the choice when to use it, then yeah, it can be very troubling, very debilitating. So some of the things that 
for me, this this holding on that really have caused problems in my life have been the ideas that I hold on to. Mm. Uh, for example, um, perfectionism. It has to be done right. And, and that's not the way to do it. And, you know, there's been all manner of trouble that I've created for myself in life because of not the unwillingness to see another way, but the inability to let go of my way of doing something, um, you know, to learn another way. The, you've already mentioned the belief in, in lack, uh, lack and limitation. That's one that I worked on for a number of years. And then there's the good old um, other side of the coin of addiction, which is the codependency piece for me, which is uh, it comes up as a need for control. I want to know what's going on, who's going to be there, what's the activities going to be, how's it going to affect me, am I going to be comfortable or uncomfortable, and what can I do about it? You know, those are the kind of the things that come up with in me when there's fear present. Yes. So given this seemingly universal experience of fear, and for us, of course, in addiction, it it, it seems to become a particular issue because it can drive our addiction, which is not a good thing. Uh, what what spiritual tool can we use to, and I, I love the word balance, to balance this out? Again, don't want to erase fear. I want to balance um, the fear so that it's always helpful and not unhelpful. Well, I think that there are several, and for me, it's kind of itty-bitty steps. And the first thing that I had to do was be reminded that fear is a projection. It is something I think could happen or might happen um, that then generates that adrenaline that, that uh, feeds that, that fear cycle. So my first, my first thing is to get rooted in the moment. You know, where am I right now? Am I okay right now? Do I have everything I need right now? Uh, and many times... Uh, practices like anchoring with the breath, uh, you know, just taking some deep breaths and and pushing the adrenaline of the fear aside is what I have to do before I can move into any other tool. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're describing is are some techniques for letting go, you know, for releasing some, at least some of the attachment that we create in our minds to whatever it is we might be afraid of. Well, and that's the let go and let God. That's the let go part. Um, I didn't know how to let go of an idea or of any stuff, as we've already discussed. And so letting go of a projection for me was the first piece of that. Um, and of course, in, in unity, we affirm that we have this power to let go. It's one of unity's 12 powers. Yeah. Um, Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore, of course, defined 12 skills or attributes that all people have, and he called these attributes the 12 powers. So that's what we're pointing at. And each of them can function as a spiritual tool that we can use to change our lives for the better. And so one power that helps us with fear is the power of release. It's also called the power of elimination or renunciation. And so that's what really the focus of the solution is for today. And, you know, this is a spiritual tool that, that shows up in many faith traditions um, and many uh, just practical programs. For example, in Buddhism, um, it is said that attachment is the root of suffering. And so non-attachment is the answer, letting go. In, uh, in Al-Anon, I learned that detachment moving the focus off of the other person and back to myself is the answer. Of course, 
in the um, other literature, it talks about results are nil till we let go absolutely. I and love that. Yeah, speaking of of ideas, old ideas. And then, of course, you know, we have the, our way shower that says forgiveness, which is letting go uh, even unto 70 times seven if necessary. So it's not, I mean, it's a very popular, very well-known tool. Yes, and, and I can see that. Those are great examples of it. I think it shows the universality of this issue that we're talking about. And, you know, today we're talking about using the power of release to to balance our uh, outsized fear that we have, which of course will move us into faith. That is what we're talking about is how to get from fear to faith and release is the, um, a good tool that we can use. Um, I have used release in a variety of ways. Uh, well, I guess I was going to say that don't have anything to do with addiction. Of course I can, draw a line from anything to my addiction, but that don't, uh, on the surface look like it. Like, for example, um, we just relocated from North Carolina to South Carolina. And, uh, so we're in that unpacking phase, uh, with all of our stuff. And I have carried the idea for a long time, like, wow, wouldn't it be great to go through my sock drawer or my, my, uh, shirts that I have hanging up and to, Take each one and think, you know, is this is this really something that's serving my purpose now in life? Is this something I could let go of? And I did that, actually. I only I only thought about doing it a thousand times, and then I actually did it. <laughs> and so that is an example of using the power of release. And um, I found it super helpful. I felt really good being able to move some of those pieces of clothing on to someone else who might uh, really appreciate them. You know, we can drop that stuff off at, at Goodwill or, or what have you. And, but for me, it, it's a concrete and simple and tangible, you know, a, it's tactile practically to pick up a piece of clothing and say, you know, does this, is this bringing me joy? If it is, I'll hang on to it. And if it's anything other than a definite yes, then uh, let me take a step in faith and, and release it. And I, I saw that happen just last week. Well, and for me, it's the realm of ideas that I, I find that I uh, first have to be conscious of and then secondly have to work on. And one that came to my mind as you were speaking was the idea that, oh, I'll just lay in bed five more minutes, just five more minutes, <laughs> you know, because um, it's things like that that form the habits for me that then don't serve me well. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get in the habit of hitting the snooze button two, two or three times. And so um, working on releasing that idea that just five more minutes, or I'll do it tomorrow, or this feeds into to the addictive thinking for me, this time it'll be different. You know, I have to let uh, go of those ideas when, once I recognize that that's what's operating in my mind. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that you're really speaking a powerful truth there because, you know, ideas are in the realm of mind, you know, also known in some ways as the realm of spirit and we can change all kinds of physical things and not if we don't change the underlying ideas then uh, we really haven't let anything go just like we were uh, joking earlier wherever i go there i am that's why when we talk about the so-called geographical cure 
in uh, in active addiction, it certainly feels like, well, if I just picked up and moved and got a new job and have uh, new friends, uh, you know, no one that that knows me um, as an active alcoholic, say that everything would be great. And maybe for a short time, that seems to be true. But inevitably, of course, wherever we go, there we are. And so letting go of letting go of those ideas, that's where the power is. And I think that can be uh, challenging to get at, too. Well, I think it can be because the behavior is but a symptom. You know, we're, we're, we learn that over and over as without, you know, as within, so without. Yes. And so whatever's out picturing, whatever the behavior is, whatever the external circumstances are, is a result of the ideas that we hold and the belief systems that we hold. And, and um, Charles Fillmore mentions that it's, he calls it error thought that we have to eliminate. It's those old ideas, the belief systems and the the concepts that we've formed around everything, our whole world that we first have to become conscious of. Like, what do I think about relationships? What do I believe about relationships? How do they have to show up in my life? You know, and it, and it goes into what do I believe about love and what, what feels like love to me and not, and you know, what's appropriate and what's not. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff that most, I never thought about until a few years ago. You know, I, it was in my mind the way it should be, quote unquote, and I, it never entered my mind that I held erroneous thoughts about the nature of some of those things. Yeah, and and, uh, and it may be that there was a time, I'm going to guess there was, when those very same thoughts were actually helpful. But as you move forward in your life, and as we all do, if we hang on to things long enough, uh, we may well get to a point where they're not helpful and the, this idea that the common denominator in all this is thought, I think, is extremely powerful. And, of course, it's the core of, uh, of unity um, belief system and, in fact, the subject of our third principle, which states that we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. These thoughts held in mind are creative and powerful. And if they're working against us, then yeah, that those are definitely things that we would want to find a way to release so that we can make space for the thoughts that um, are helpful to us, the thoughts that are of God, so to speak, are or are in alignment with the universal truth. So this power of release is foundational as a skill for changing our lives. You know, letting go is how we are able to change the focus to a different direction, um, you know, to make space for something new to come in, um, you know, whether it is physical or emotional or, you know, the mental that we're talking about. And, and it all affects us spiritually one way or another. And so, you know, you know, talking about those skills, uh, we'll talk about that after after our break. Um, because we're getting pretty close to that time. But did you have another thought on that? Yeah, I was just thinking um, it, it'll be great to move into exactly how we go about, now that we understand what we're talking about with fear and with the power of release, how exactly does that work? So hold that thought because we'll come back in a few minutes just for um, to continue our discussion and we'll open the lines at that point for callers. So please stay with us.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Unfortunately, religions have tended to present themselves as institutions instead of perceptions, something you join instead of a transcendence that you experience. We've tended to believe that God works exclusively through the machinery of an institution. So it is self-evident that most persons believe that you go to church to get close to God. The fact is, if God is present in the church, God is also present in the theater. God is present, period, because God is an online presence, everywhere present. So you don't go to church to get close to God. But you go to church, perhaps, hopefully, to be challenged to dig within yourself and to find that consciousness of the presence that is with you wherever you go. So that wherever you go, wherever you are, God is. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. If you've been thinking of going vegan or you have been following a vegan lifestyle for years, the Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook will become your go-to resource. Victoria Moran, J.L. Fields, and certified vegan lifestyle coaches will show you how easy and delicious it can be to go vegan. With over 100 plant-based recipes, you'll never get bored, and the book is packed with tips and strategies to transform your cooking and your life. Available now at Amazon.com or your local bookstore. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Get ready to stretch your thinking and question your beliefs. Tune into Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio. Paul, along with his co-hosts, Rev. Bill and Cher Holton, will challenge your thinking and inspire you to open your mind and look outside the box. Discover Unity's spiritual laws and take a deep dive into the world of metaphysics and apply life-changing concepts today. Tune in Mondays at 10 Central on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Well, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We're going to resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. 
So prior to the break, we were discussing all the forms of fear that show up in our lives when we're in active addiction and sometimes after active addiction. But the good news is that we can share our innate power of release to move from fear to faith. And that shift happens, of course, in our consciousness, which is also known as our thoughts. So, Dan, now that we know the challenge is fear and the solution is the power of release, let's talk now about exactly how can we use release to shift out of that pattern of fear? How can we let go and let God? Yeah, and and that's a question that I certainly had on my mind in early recovery and continue to have on my mind. You know, I really appreciate practical steps along the way. That's one reason I love our unity movement. It was uh, one descriptor that we had used as practical Christianity, and I love the practical piece of it. So for me, I had to start with really little things that were easy to understand and easy to do, Um, you know, basically creating new habits. So for example, um, I started in a community of uh, 12 people in 12-step recovery and just showing up at the meeting, you know, I, I would make a commitment to myself to a certain number of meetings a week, or more specifically, I would know exactly which ones they were. And um, just by showing up at that meeting that I had decided I would be at, um, kind of paved the way for me to let go of some old ways of being. Because certainly, in in prior to that, I was not getting together with people and talking about you know life, a higher power, the universe, and everything. Um, so simply by showing up, I was creating a new pattern of thought, uh, as you shared before and uh, creating the opportunity for things to shift in me. So I was letting go of old ways by uh, meeting new people and showing up in a new place and letting new things happen. You know, that takes a large degree of willingness. And, of course, desperation gives us willingness sometimes. But, uh, you know, I was thinking for me there's there's tinier steps um, just because – I had to get to the decision to show up at a meeting and then I had to actually get in the car and go because every step of the way I could talk myself out of it. Fear would talk me out of it. Oh, there's not going to be anybody there. I know. Oh my God, there might be somebody there. I know, (laughs) you know, it didn't matter. My, my thinking was so stuck in the fear cycles that it would project all kind, all, all manner of reasons for me not to go. And so being able to get into willingness that no matter what, I'm going to do this and make a commitment, which of course is a power of strength, the ability to hang on once you've made a decision to hold on to it, then um, that that could help move me down the path in the ways that you talked about. And it was amazing to me. I thought I thought my therapist was magic. The first <laughs> many many times that I went to her uh, for the first you know, I don't know several years of counseling, she would only question she'd ever ask me is, "What are you afraid of?" What are you afraid of? <laughs> and of course, when I got there, I didn't think I was afraid of anything. And that turned out not to be the case. Right. Then it becomes, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, really, really. So, you know, so learning about this, um, how to change my thoughts, how to release these unhelpful pattern of thoughts. Um, when, when I learned in Unity that there was a, a tool called the power of release, this thing I already was capable of doing, I just, it was underdeveloped, it was, it was uh, really unused, and um, I was unable to, to um, 
focus it properly, once I learned some skills uh, through the classes that I was taking, then that changed a lot of things in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and as you share that, I'm reminded of um, what uh, you know, seems almost like a, a contradiction. And I find in spiritual growth, there are a lot of these kind of paradoxes, if you will. Um, one of them that I encountered early uh, was, and I'll just use this as an example, some people, uh, when we're talking about forgiveness, uh, would say to me, you know, you cannot forgive other people until you forgive yourself. And then other people would say exactly the opposite thing. And I began to wonder, you know, wh- why are these people so sure this way? And then these other people are so sure that way. And then, of course, over time, what I realized is that it's different for different people. And by forgiving myself, that aids me in forgiving others. By forgiving others, that supports my forgiving myself. And I find it to be the same way with the power of release. So I described before about how I'm showing up at meetings so that I can let go of old ways of doing things. But but as you shared, clearly there's some letting go that needs to happen in order to show up at the meetings. And so I find it to be kind of layer by layer um, a process of, you know, both a combination of action and then inner work. And I can't do all of it. I can't do all the actions and then do all the inner work second. And I can't do all the inner work first. I got to move in this seeming paradox of, well, what is it? Do I, you know, do I have to let go of the idea or do I have to show up at a meeting? Well, both, you know, whichever one's right in front of me, that's the one that I should do. And I find that they work hand in hand. That's a really good point because there are a lot of things like that that were really confusing. Um, you know, you got to give up to win. <laughs> you know, hang on, don't stop before the miracle. Let go, let God. You know, these these paradoxes that you pointed out. And so, you know, the thing, as I mentioned earlier, for me was willingness. Um, and I believe that I don't have to be a hundred percent willing. All I have to be is is fifty-one uh, percent willing. To, to take some action. And I, I find it interesting that in Charles Fillmore's definition in the revealing word, he says that a healthy state of mind is attained, attained when the thinker willingly lets go the old thoughts and takes on the new. And so for me, that, that took awareness that I was having an old thought, awareness that that old thought was not something I wanted to be having, and a willingness then to take action to change it. Yeah, so it sounds like um, and, and this, of course, true with so many things in spiritual growth, that, that the power of release is, is, does not function completely on its own. And we know that from our uh, talking about other of the 12 powers, that they work together in concert, and that each um, power that we want to apply inevitably seems to need to and will pull in other um, powers to support it, like you're talking about with strength. You know, if I, if I can let something go, but I can't keep it let go, I might need the power of strength in order to keep it let go. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an example of, of two things uh, working in concert. And what I find most um, powerful and helpful is the realization that, you know, there are some things that I have control over mostly my thoughts and actions and some things that I don't. And so I can't just, you know, reach in and switch some things around and completely change my life. But what I can do 
is, uh, you know, use the power of release, like we're saying, use the power of strength and show up at a meeting, meet new people, uh, make phone calls, all these little things, seemingly nothing like, well, what is this going to do? But if I do them, what I'm actually doing is creating the conditions for change to happen at a much, much deeper level in my life. And that to me is the let God part of it. You know, I, I can do the things that are possible for me to do, but then I have to get out of my own way. And as I've heard it said so well, let God be God in me by getting out of my own way. I do my part and then I relax, take it easy, take a breath, kick back and let God be God in me. And then over time, of course, big, big changes can happen. But I, what I can do is create the conditions that invite those changes. You know, I, w- I uh, took a phone call from somebody, oh, a few years ago, who said, I think I got it, I think I got it. And it had to do with the third step, which was a realization of their own um, higher power and mm-hmm. their own connection with their divinity. And and I said, what did you get? And she said, when it says let go and let God, it didn't say take your hand off the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, and I, and I think about that sometimes. Um you know, that that I functioned under that misunderstanding as well, that God was just going to take over and run my life for me. But, you know, we we are given the privilege and the power to make decisions and, and of, of choice and of a number of other things. You know, we've alluded to the 12 powers more than once as, you know, a collection of these abilities, these faculties that we've been given. And part of unity theology is that this is part of our divine nature Every single person is born with this set of attributes, and they are 12 different ways that God expresses in and as and through us, so it's part of our divinity, and it's how humankind demonstrates God in the world. Um, you know, I, I didn't understand that they're always at work in a positive or a negative way, either supporting me or being unhelpful. Um, but that once I understood that I always am using them either unconsciously or consciously, that's where the power of choice came in for me. I could choose to become aware of it and then understand that I can make a conscious choice about this. This isn't just the way I am. It isn't just the way things have to be. And so, you know, I, I think about, um, I think about that with the power of release, you know, everybody has this and some people, I was amazed. I have an aunt who grew up, um, she married somebody in the army and she left furniture every time she moved. And she moved like, you know, in a very small moving truck with her family. And I could not understand that. She had a very well-developed power of release. I don't need that. Don't need that. Don't need that. Left it all behind. And I'm going, what? (laughs) Because I don't have, I didn't have that at that point in time. So they show up differently in different people. Absolutely. And and I I love that you uh, reminded us all that these aren't things that we have to go out and get. They're things we already have, and we're already using them. But we may need to become more aware of how we're using them, and that we may need to um, be able to make different choices and decisions about how we're using them, which ironically and inevitably means we have to use that power of release in order to let go of old ways of thinking. So, for example, um, I think many of us, and I've had this too, we can get into this all or nothing way of thinking, this black and white thinking that it's got to be completely like this or it's got to be completely like that. When in reality, and your example was, you know, 
I, I'm hyper controlling my life, so I'm going to let it go entirely, and then God's going to do everything. Well, uh, I think the truth is that we come into a healthy balance with things. Um, it's not that uh, God starts driving the car, so to speak. It's that we um, balance the the influence, the those pieces I was saying that that we can do. Uh, we balance that with that time of uh, just letting things be. You know, when I let something go, uh, it's helpful for me to follow it with a, a period of time of just letting things be. And that's where um, the let God part can go, can come into it again. Mm-hmm. So this foundational skill, the ability to let go, is really how we change our focus. That's how we we release the that which we were obsessed about, whatever it is, whether it's a thought or a thing, um, and and move into new growth. And if you think about nature, even there are cycles, and in the cycles of growth, there's always a release. For example, the leaves in the fall um, before the new growth appears in the spring, after a period of dormancy in which stuff is happening that you can't even see. And I think that's a really apropos. Um, metaphor for spiritual development. We have to let go of these old things, and then there's this period that looks like and feels like a void because we've let go of the old stuff. And now there's this space we don't know what to do with before something new moves into that. And of course, that's that's our growing edge, and that's our changing our behaviors and changing our thinking. And that's the internal work that you referred to earlier. Absolutely, and I've found that that unfolds over time. You know, what's the saying we have? Time takes time. And this concept of our thoughts being central and of our these 12 attributes that we have uh, being innate abilities in us, kind of that's our toolkit for how to go about changing our focus. Because that that's what I think we're getting at, is how do I change the focus of my mind so that I can let go of old destructive p- types of patterns? and stay open to new, more positive types of patterns. And I'm reminded of that uh, Unity author, Eric Butterworth, talking about change your thoughts, change your life. I think that's absolutely true, that if we can uh, realize that whatever the circumstances in our outer life is, that those are outpictured or you know have their roots and their beginnings in what's going on in our inner life. So as we let go of old stories, you know, old uh, ways of thinking of ourselves, uh, you know, an easy one there, sort of the very first thing that we let go of when we come into recovery is whatever it is we're recovering from. You know, in my case, letting go of uh, the alcohol. And then that in itself was uh, an exercise of the power of release. Um, but I'm not done, right? That just sort of opens the door because when I let go of that, then other things come in and fill that space and that becomes my work to do. Some of those things that that flow in to fill that space are helpful and what I'd call positive. And some of them are maybe old old fears uh, whose time has come. You know, it becomes time to examine some things that we were able to go without examining for a long period of time. But it all comes down to changing our thoughts, which will change our life. And that's a matter of choosing what we focus on. And of course, there's inevitably letting go of old things to make room for new things. 
And so for me, this really breaks down again into some um, very tiny steps. And the first one is to notice, to become aware. And the second step is to make a decision that I want to do something different. And then I get to the power of release where I get to practice. I get to practice staying stopped at whatever decision I've made because it's usually to stop something, um, you know, to stop laying in bed the extra five minutes, to stop my addiction, whatever it was, staying stopped, as you mentioned earlier. And then staying stopped and making a choice, again, a decision to seek a new path and gathering the information I need for that. Uh, and so that kind of points me in in the right direction. But the hardest piece of that for me is usually the first piece, noticing and becoming aware. Yeah, and, and that's such a powerful um, thing. I don't even have the right word for it. That, that concept uh, and that recovery saying that we have that our secrets will run our life, right? If we can't be aware of something that's transpiring within us, then it has us, right? We don't have... Uh, the power of choice. And again, that's first and foremost with whatever our addiction was. You know, it had us, it had control over us. That's the very definition uh, of an addiction. And if I want to change anything about my life, if I want to release anything in my life, as you just said, I need to first become aware of what's going on, which takes willingness. You know, I have to be willing to be aware. I have to have the faith and the courage to. Um, you know, leave that door open when it when it cracks or push it open wider, that door of awareness, because there's a good reason we don't want to look at the things that we don't want to look at. And a very usually a very old and powerful good reason. And so it takes a lot of um support around us in order to be willing to finally re-engage whatever it might be, an old fear or what have you. The point is, if I'm going to release something, I absolutely have to become aware of it first, which is, it's, you know, just that becoming aware is it's a whole little mini journey on its own, a little miniature recovery almost. And so, you know, I've, I've been to meetings where they talk about you got to lose the story. You know, the, the story, we have our story, but it's got emotional content to it. And that's what feeds, it's a cycle, my thoughts and my feelings and my thoughts and my feelings, and one feeds the other. And so becoming aware of what my mental chatter is and what emotions are generated out of that. For example, if I feel that I am victimized, then I'm going to have those kind of feelings of helplessness and fear that are, are tied up. Uh, in that. And so to become aware of how many times and when I place that thought in my head, that I don't catch that thought in my head, um, you know, that that's where I can change that. If I'm unaware of, of the story that I'm telling myself, um, I don't know that I have a choice about that. And so um, it is, as you've pointed out, a very active thing to have to d make a different choice, to to make a decision to let go and then to create this space for something new to happen. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm remembering that, uh, it's true. We, we do all have a story and some of our stories are helpful and supportive of us. And some of our stories are not. And, you know, those old stories that no longer serve us are the things that we want to be able to let go of. And I have learned that, um, ignoring is not letting go, right? It's really important that we be able to tell our story and to be heard 
to have our story heard and acknowledged, you know, not picked apart, not judged, not criticized or edited or improved or whatever, but simply to be received, uh, to be heard is one of the most powerful experiences that we can have. And so we need a safe place to do that. And, uh, you know, that can be a lot of things. We could practice release in, say, weekly psychological counseling and or in our weekly prayer time uh, or with our recovery friends and, you know, everything, everyone in our lives uh, can potentially be a place to help us let go of a story. We do have to choose carefully, of course, but you know, that, that need to tell our story and to be heard is, is a really important step so that we can get to what you were just saying, you know, make that choice, make that decision. Cause if, if I can't be heard, then my story's still running me right. And I, I can't make a different choice if my story is still running me. But if I, if it, if I can get to where it's shared and it's out in the open, then I can ask that question, you know, is this still is this still serving me? And am I, am I ready to let it go? Am I willing to let it go once I become able? I think for me, the, uh, it's not so much how many times I've told the story outside of me. It's what I'm telling myself in my head that I'm telling myself, see, I, I wasn't good enough. See, I didn't do that right. See, um, they took advantage of me. You know, that, that kind of a storyline is the piece that I have to become aware of because if I, tell my external stories that it absolutely can be very healing when told in a safe environment to safe people. Uh, it could, because it can help me get to those other things that I'm yes. trying to understand about myself. Uh, but if, if that becomes my life, the whole, the story of my life, I'm always the victim. Oh, here she comes, you know, or whatever, then that's not serving me any longer. And I may not be aware of it until somebody points it out. Yeah. We can get stuck in the telling our story part. You know, exactly. it's, it's, a, it's an important step along the way, but just like everything, just like fear, you know, there, fear has a purpose in my life, but letting go of the fear has a purpose too. And I can get, if I get stuck in the fear, um, then I'm stuck. And I can also, just like you're saying, get stuck in the story and it becomes, oh, I just need to find someone who hasn't heard it a hundred times so I can tell them so that they can say, oh, poor, poor you, that must be really hard. That must be really difficult. And of course, we get into then ego needs at that point, which yeah. uh, many people are happy to point out, help us along our path, become aware of that. Absolutely. So, so what are we going to do about all this? Well, I think it's time to move into action. And uh, any of us who've been in a 12-step program uh, certainly understand that uh, it's there comes a time to move into action. We even have a chapter in our book called into action. So let's move into action now uh, with everyone who's listening. Now, uh, in unity, uh, we have a, a fifth principle that states that it's not enough to know these truths. So we've been talking about a lot of things to know. It's not enough to know them. We must live them. You know, we must take action in order to grow and to recover. So we have a suggestion that you can do this week to move from fear to faith using the power of release. And that's going to be different for every single person, but see if you can think of an idea or a belief, an attitude, a story or a behavior that maybe it's time to let go of. And you can probably trust your instinct in choosing. So think about what story are you ready to release? What is no longer serving you? 
And I think it's important to pick one thing. You know, sometimes we can come up with a laundry list of things that we want to let go of and change. But for the purpose of this uh, suggestion, uh, I think it's important to just pick one thing and maybe even a simple thing to start with. And then whatever it is that you pick, take it into a quiet time of prayer and meditation. And that may, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, simply relax and take it easy, like our literature said. There, There is no need to struggle. And so, for an example, I'll use a, a fear of being broke, right? Fear of having no money. I've certainly had that fear. Fear of being broke. So, we have tools in Unity, and one of them is called a denial, which is to deny any power. You deny the fact that this power, that there's this thing in your mind that may have power over you to make space for a new experience of faith and peace. And so that is a statement that sounds something like, fear of being broke has no power over me. And we repeat it a few times uh, in your head or aloud either way, but said with conviction, fear of being broke has no power over me. And, and you follow. Is, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say follow that up immediately with a bold positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, I am a radiating center of God's abundance. And again, repeat that a few times in your head or say it aloud, but say it with conviction however you do it. I am a radiating center of God's abundance. And then I think it's really important to take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. You know, we, we say these things, we do these actions, and then we let it go. And so we give thanks for the new experience in the world and move on with our day. And so we've come to the end of our time together today, and we hope you found something to help you on your recovery path. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And listeners, if you'd like to join us on Facebook, we'd be delighted to get your thoughts and feedback. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.